Hey everyone, before we start the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live podcast coming up next Friday, March 8th at 6.30 p.m. at Downtown Cinemas in downtown Las Vegas. We'll be talking about the new Blumhouse horror film, Imaginary. Joining me on the panel, we've got Jimmy Gonzalez, Tom Devlin, and Nick Woods. It's going to be a really fun time. Also, Downtown Cinemas is doing a promotion. You should bring your imaginary friend with you because you'll get a free upgrade on your popcorn to share with your imaginary buddy so come on out it's going to be a great time we're going to get into this movie imaginary talk puzzle pieces have a fun conversation we hope to see you there links and information and how to win tickets in the show notes Right, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we're talking about Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. They finally figured it out and made a really fun, really awesome Dungeons and Dragons movie. And all it took was Chris Pine and a whole bunch of other great people who are all having a great time. And I had a great time watching this movie and a great time talking about it with Jeff Howard. Vegas film critic joining me on the show. I am very happy to have him on here, and he is a big Dungeons & Dragons fan, so uh, we get into a whole lot of stuff in this episode and lots of great puzzle pieces. So that's coming up here in a second. I do want to remind you all, as always, to make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. You can also follow us on social media at PiecingPod and join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show. And we do have a live show coming up, so i got to tell you about that. It's only a couple weeks away. We are doing a live show Friday, April 21st at Maya Cinemas here in Las Vegas on Evil Dead Rise. I am so excited. By the way, we might be talking about an Evil Dead movie in this conversation. But uh, yeah, I've got a great lineup of guests for the show, and you guys know how much I love Evil Dead. So uh, doing a live episode on Evil Dead Rise is going to be awesome. Check the show notes. There's a contest going right now to win tickets, and uh, tickets will be available as well through Maya Cinema's website. So check the show notes. All that info is in there. And before we get to the conversation, I just wanted to make a quick mention that we had some technical difficulties during this one, uh, but, you know, that happens every once in a while, so bear with any kind of little glitches and stuff like that. Just pretend this is an episode coming through a portal from Neverwinter or something like that. Is that a place? I think that's a place in Dungeons & Dragons. Anyway, let's talk about Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves. All right, Jeff Howard is with us. We're going to talk Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. Jeff, thank you so much for being here. Oh, my pleasure, man. I know you've been trying to get me on this thing for a long time. I've always wanted to be on here, too, so I'm, I'm glad we made it. I'm glad we're here for Dungeons and Dragons, too. It's so cool. I know. I, I heard you at one of the screenings talking about how you know much of a Dungeons and Dragons guy you are, and I was like... When the time comes, I'm going to have to finally get him on. Like, this is going to be the one <laughs> when I finally get Jeff Howard on. But before we get into the movie too much, though, it is your first time on the show. Tell my listeners a little about you and your site and what you do. Uh, well, I've been a film critic uh, and a journalist for 28 years now. I just started my 28th year. Um, wow. Totally fell into criticism by mistake. I went to film school at UNLV. 
And uh, my final semester there, graduating from film school, I auditioned for a movie review show at UNLV TV in the communications department. And I did that for a semester. And I turned to my partner, who was also in the film department, David Neal. I said, look, why are we going to be two film students with another script or student film trying to break into Hollywood? Why don't we try it through criticism? Because, you know, Siskel and Ebert don't speak for our generation. You know, mm -hmm. so the, the school says, well, you can't uh, you can't do the show unless you're students. So we re-enrolled, do a baccalaureate. And uh, we went over to the cross campus and did journalism and broadcasting. So and then when we graduated, you know, I started on the NBC affiliate here in Las Vegas, then Fox and then uh, ABC, CBS. So I just, you know, 20 years later, I'm, I'm, I'm in television. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, but it's I love it. I wouldn't have traded it for anything because, you know, instead of me making movies, you know, I'm doing television now and streaming and it's all blurry now anyway. You know, everything crosses and mixes together. Um, but uh, yeah, so I do all the junkets. Uh, I go to all the film festivals. I go to Comic Con. I do anything nerdy that's available. So awesome. Awesome. <laughs> you, you know, not to get too far on a tangent here, but just really quickly. Uh, did you know that I was on the UNLV film TV show doing reviews for like three semesters, early 2000s-ish. And no. uh, yeah, that was one of my earliest uh, forays into doing anything r related to movies. I also wrote for The Rebel Yell. But um, yeah, I, I did it for two semesters. And then on the third semester... I wasn't going to school anymore and just nobody asked me. And I just was like, well, I'll show up and review some more movies. And I just did another semester's worth. But so, uh, yeah, with Francesco Menendez and all those guys, uh, I yeah, was on my, camera. I was yeah. a very, get this, I was the very first film class at UNLV. I mean, the, the, wow. the, the, the inaugural class. And Francisco loves telling this story. Uh, we're sitting, there's maybe like 10 of us. And it's the old engineering building, which is now gone. And he mm -hmm. came in and we thought he was another student. And then he turns around and starts teaching class. He was fresh from CalArts. <laughs> we were like, yeah. what? You know, but so wait, so you did the movie show at UNLV? Yep, absolutely. It was me and this guy, Keenan. Uh, do you remember Keenan something? I can't remember his last name, but he was the other guy that was doing uh, movie reviews at the time. No. And I did, I did maybe a dozen or something over those couple of semesters I was doing it. No, when we left, we didn't, uh, we were upset because they didn't continue the legacy. I know it went mm. for a semester or two, but then they kept saying, well, that was Dave and Jeff. That was their thing. And we're like, no, it's not our thing. This is what we set up. We wanted this legacy to keep going. You know, sure. We were on, um, what was unique about that show was we were on the uh, university network. We were in 200 markets in the U.S. and Europe. And most mm. production classes would do a show or two a semester. We were every week, man, for two wow. years, even the summer. You know, Frank Barnes was our instructor, man. He was like over the top. And I mean, we, we uh, you wouldn't believe what we, we produced the hell out of that show. And we thought that momentum would keep going. And I'm trying to remember the guy who ran the department after we left. And he was just like, well, that was your guys' thing. And we just kind of said no more with it. And I'm like, um, God, I see his face. I can't remember. We had a, a falling out when I left too. So, mm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but because uh, we had our own offices, we had our own contacts with wow. the studios. It was, we really, we were doing, you know, better than the faculty. We were getting all this attention. They were getting mad because we were students, you know. And, uh, but it was great. When we got out of UNLV, it was like, we went right to NBC, we went to the NBC affiliate. We started the Fox News when they started mm. their news for two years. Then we jumped to ABC and then Dave got married and moved to Seattle. So I rebranded as a Vegas film critic and I've been doing that all this time now. So, uh, yeah, wow. I love it. It's great. But you know what, people, it's it's not a casual job. You know, people always think, oh, that's such an easy job. Or I'm like, no, you have no idea, especially if you're producing content with it, too. You know, so it's a lot of work. It really I spend every waking moment producing. It's insane. Yeah. Movies absolutely. don't stop. And now throwing <laughs> streaming, throwing cable, throwing all of that. Right. And 
Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. So Yeah, it, it really, I mean, that is kind of part of the story of this movie, I feel like, Dungeons & Dragons, Honor Among Thieves, that movies don't stop. Like, this wasn't expected to be as big of a hit as it was. We're recording this now a couple of weeks already after uh, the movie has, has hit theaters, and now Super Mario's out this weekend at the time of recording, but like... This really, I feel like it overperformed quite a bit. You being a Dungeons and Dragons fan, is that like a little bit of vindication? Like, were, were you happy to see that? Well, you know, we're, we're seeing a renaissance in sci-fi and fantasy right now. You know, I thought yeah. it was going to end with Lord of the Rings, you know, back when uh, Two Towers, you know, won Best Picture. And, you know, we haven't seen anything in a long time. And all of a sudden there's this renaissance again. You know, it's insane, especially I'm a Star Trek fan, you know, so there's so mm. much Star Trek going on. So we've seen a renaissance in science fiction, you know, and, but I think, you know, Dungeons and Dragons is going to open the door to more fantasy. And uh, for someone like me, who was a gamer in junior high and high school in the 1980s, when you watch Freaks and Geeks, when you watch Stranger Things, that was my friends and I. Yeah. Uh, I could not believe I got teary eyed when I saw those episodes because I haven't thought about role playing in decades. You know, yeah. that was something we would spend months in the summertime campaigning and we went to Warhammer. We went to Middle Earth. I mean, we just adapted every kind of, uh, you know, module there was. And we had all the original books when Gary Gygax when that stuff came out. So that is a real special part of my childhood. And coming into this movie because they don't have a good track record with D&D, you know? Sure, sure. <laughs> First thing I saw there when the movie started, you know, Hasbro. I'm like, uh-oh, that's the same people that did Battleship, right? Which I love. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, uh-oh, here we go. Now, I have to tell you, first of all, for the first hour of this movie, I was upset. I mm. was mad. I almost left, to tell you the truth. I was so mad because I wanted something more serious. I didn't know what this movie was going into it. Mm. You know? So when... Chris Pine is doing his little one-liners and when they're doing contemporary humor and all that. So I'm like, okay, so I was thinking a little something a little more serious. Yeah. Which after about an hour though, uh, I saw what they were doing and I totally, my attitude changed, you know? So I thought that was really, what they did was really clever. It was mm -hmm. more of a broad audience, not just specific to geeks, you know, that play D&D, you know, Dale and the Life of Our Thieves, the modern humor. They spent great money on the production values. So I warmed up to it as soon as the campaign started. And uh, I thought it was fantastic. You know? So I think they really did it right. And uh, I hope we get more of them because, yeah, it's becoming a hit. I'm looking at all the comments online and on Rotten Tomatoes. People are going crazy for this movie, which is awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, not to bring up Super Mario again, but I mean, Super Mario is, you know, another movie based on just the beloved, you know, franchise that typically has not had a lot of success in this particular medium, you know, especially Super right. Mario. Uh, but, you know, now it, it seems like they're kind of taking the right pages, the right influences from other properties that have done it right and that have, you know, found success. And yeah, it, it all seems to kind of just be coming together this way. And I, I think we will end up seeing more of these, actually. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think what happened 20, 25 years ago when we saw the Mario Brothers with, you know, Bob Hoskins. And when we saw, uh, you know, the D&D and the incarnations of that, I think it was Hollywood people taking a property and, and trying to figure it out. Well, right. it's totally changed now. We have people who are passionate about these movies and about the subject matter. And you can tell they, they do. They really dedicate themselves to the material. And you see that somebody could not make this D&D movie who had no idea how the game worked, you know, because I was going nuts with owlbears and gelatinous cubes and mimics and displacer beasts. And I'm like, all of a sudden, I'm 12 years old again. Intellect Devourers was one of my favorite monsters, and there it is in the movie. So I was just going bonkers, you know, uh, throughout this whole movie. I really was. So, and I love Chris Pine, man. He, I, I think yeah. it was a, a medieval version of Captain Kirk, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. It really was. <laughs> absolutely. Well, uh, let's start getting into some puzzle pieces here. What, what do you have sure. for your first one? What, what do you think uh, this film may have been inspired by in some way? 
you know, I think it was inspired by Hansel and Gretel, Witch Hunters. That okay. One of my, I love that film. I mean, I must have seen that thing 30 times. Yeah. Hansel and Gretel, Witch Hunters. That's like a really interesting one to kick it off with. Like it, I feel like it's got a little bit of a cult following going, even though that movie was like really panned when it first came out. But you're a big fan of it, huh? I'm a big fan of it. And I think, didn't they do a sequel? I can't even, I've seen so many movies, I can't even remember anymore. I think, I think so. It was awful. I remember it's just they couldn't capture lightning in a bottle again, you know, but uh, I just love Jeremy Renner in that. I love the, the humor in it. And it was so well done too, you know, and that reminded me of D&D uh, a lot, you know, but I, I think it was 2013. Yeah. So that was 10 years ago. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That was a while ago. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I think that's a really good one to kick it off with. And okay. uh, yeah, in interesting, interesting piece. I'm going to go with, uh, I, I feel like maybe this is like the most obvious thing, but I'm going to go with the Guardians of the Galaxy for my first piece here. I, I, I hate kicking it off with a superhero movie, but it does have that vibe of that that team constantly, uh, you know, going at each other with the, the kind of quips and the a little bit of a frat boy humor. And like the, the first thing that like I thought of when I walked out of this movie was like, this movie's doing all those things I always complain about with Marvel movies, except for I really, really enjoyed it. And it's like, it, it seems to like get back to that formula that worked so well in that first Guardians movie and that they've been losing a little bit of in more recent Marvel movies. Oh, absolutely. And and that's a great connection, too. But the first thing I thought of after, you know, 30 minutes or actually the first 15 minutes of this movie, where I'm like, OK, this is not being taking itself seriously. It reminded me of that movie, Your Highness, you know, with Danny McBride. Sure, yeah. <laughs> well, it was just like just just because we're in a medieval setting, it had nothing to do with me. You know what I mean? It was just. Yeah. Like, so I'm like, OK, so go ahead, you know, make all these references and everything and, and the pauses and all of that. So uh, but I, I think the humor is what's really sells the movie, too. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And these directors coming off of uh, Game Night and they also wrote Horrible Bosses. I mean, they, they have the chops and they're they're funny people. So it's it's great that they went in that direction. I feel like I think that's why this landed so well. It's just it's a very funny movie from beginning to end. And your highness, uh, you know, I Danny McBride is so funny. He's my favorite. He's, my favorite. <laughs> He's so great. That's why I watch Land of the Lost over and over. I just love him in that, you know. You know, and also they write for an ensemble. I mean, just think how many people are in Dungeons and Dragons. You yeah. know, you know how hard it is to write for four or five characters that were on screen at the whole time. You know, and give them something to do, make it interesting, make it funny, and balance it all out. You know, yeah, so. they all really have chances to shine here, and uh, that that's hard to do, especially with like so many different characters. Like they're all very different, and they kind of get mixed together into this whole quest. And I think that kind of goes back to the whole Dungeons and Dragons thing of having these different classes and whatnot, and so like. It's really cool that they're able to uh, pull it off that way. You know, well, two hours and two hours and twenty minutes, man. They have they have the time to do it. <laughs> that's that's true. That, that shocked me when I saw the running time. I thought, man, this is going to hurt it, but it didn't. It moved pretty it moved pretty quick, you know. And especially Hugh Grant as the villain. You know, I thought he was he was a uh, you know like a, a Bond villain. You know, so yeah. <laughs> super <laughs> absolutely. Uh, well, you know what? Let let's stick with your highness and go with another uh, film that mixes uh, humor. Uh, with with this kind of uh, mythology and, and all this kind of stuff and the adventure and also the horror of uh, Gre Gretel Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters. Um, let's go Army of Darkness for the next puzzle piece here. Uh, Sam Raimi's just incredible third movie in the Evil Dead trilogy. I, I bring up the Evil Dead movies all the time on the show just because I love them so much. But Smiley Assault, Smiley Assault. 
<laughs> yes, absolutely. Spe specifically, though, uh, I was thinking of Army of Darkness during the sequence in the graveyard here, where uh, they they say a spell to bring uh, this fallen soldier back to life, and they they get to ask him five questions to try to figure out where they have to go on their quest, and they keep accidentally wasting the uh, the the five questions with these extraneous <laughs> dumb questions, and that totally reminded me of a way that Ash would have screwed up in Army of Darkness. That totally could have fit in. I, I kept thinking it was a mixture of Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Remember that? Yes. The questions. And I kept thinking of the Frighteners, you know? Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. So I had the Frighteners because they have all the ghosts or the, the corpses arise. You know, they have, you know I, I thought maybe the Frighteners and a little bit of Hocus Pocus. <laughs> Those were the titles that reminded me of this particular that story. But I always thought of the Frighteners when they dig up, uh, you know, when they go in graveyards and stuff like that. So I thought that was a, that was a good inspiration too. Yeah, absolutely. Th those are definitely good ones to throw in there for that that aspect of the film, and and yeah, just a lot of fun happening in there. Um, I I'm gonna circle back. We, we already brought up Marvel once, but I'm gonna throw in another Marvel movie here on my list and go with Ant Man. Uh, you know, we we recently had our Ant Man Quantumania, which you know, as a big fan of the Ant Man character, uh, that was quite a disappointment for me this year. But I'll say it was downright horrible. Okay, it was it was Ant Man's my favorite, and I can't believe that was the furthest thing from Ant Man in the world. It was Quantumania. It was just so bad. I, I mean, and that probably, that wrecked Marvel. It really did. It wrecked all the development. It, it, it came yeah. skating down because of that movie. I, it really feels like that's like, like it's not looking good because of that movie. I, I completely agree. And I'm so glad you said that he's your favorite because he's my favorite too. Yeah. And uh, this movie, you know, the stuff with uh, uh, Sophia Lillis's character, Doric, um, reminded me so much of when the Ant-Man movies were doing it right with all of the, the quick changing between sizes and between uh, the, the way that those adventure sequences are shot. And you really get a sense of the, the scope and the, and the scale of, of this character growing and shrinking and changing and morphing. And, and it really just makes for like a, a unique, exciting adventure sequence. Right. Oh, no, absolutely. I agree with yeah. that. Yeah. And she's really fun. You know, and I'd love, you know, Chris Pine's character. I mean, every character has, has some sort of redemption, has some sort of mini quest within themselves, you know. First, they have the overall one where they want to get, you know, his daughter back and, and the treasure. But then each character has a backstory that is, it's their own miniature quest. And and the one that comes, I was trying to think, what is the earliest fantasy movie as a kid that I can remember where that somebody went on a quest like that? And I remember Dragon Slayer from 1981. And, uh, I, you know, that, that the dragon, and I kept thinking of the contrast because you've got to have a dragon in Dungeons and Dragons. But we had, what was his name? Uh, Thermotrod, you know, a fat dragon. It was more of a lizard, you know? Well, sure, and sure. A, a hysterical sequence where they're, you know, I kept thinking also of Lord of the Rings, you know, with Benedict Cumberbatch, you know. Uh, yes. But it was like, this This had to be like the, the reject dragon in the dragon world because he couldn't even walk. He was like rolling. And it's like, it's like the dragon knew that he was so overweight, I guess if that's a great description of it. That he had to roll to get his prey. And I thought that was so funny. I really yeah. He was adorable. He was. <laughs> and did you notice also that I, I, I call him James Bond kind of deaths, that this was family friendly. So nobody died really. So when, you know, when Michelle Rodriguez is beating all the all the the uh, the knights up or the you know people in the castle, she's punching them through metal. You know, mm, yeah. she's not she's not stabbing them. There's no blood splattering anywhere. I was I kept thinking, okay, this is a James Bond movie where remember like in you, know, you only live twice. Any guy in a red jumpsuit, you know, you didn't see them actually get shot. They just kind of just, you know, it's like everybody survived. You know, GI Joe, the cartoon, when they would all parachute out when their their planes exploded or something, you know. Sure. 
Yeah, or this thing would be rated R, I would think, if you if you started hacking and slaying, right? Sure, and it obviously has does not have that on its mind, and it's uh, it's going for just everybody. It's going to like make everybody laugh and have a good time at the movies, and that's, I mean, clearly why it's doing so well. So yeah, when they yeah. and I, I and casting spells, that's that was my favorite because you know every kid. Well, if you play Dungeons and Dragons, you you rotated through things. You know, you were a druid, you were a cleric, you were a thief, or you were. Um, you know, I was a hobbit, so I was always cooking and cleaning for the whole campaign, you know, for everybody. But when he, when Chris Pine came out, he was, uh, they, they had the spell where he was, uh, singing his lute, you know, when he was doing that. Sure. That was hysterical. And then, and then it started failing, you know, so it had such kind of like slapstick humor, which I thought was, I thought wouldn't work in a fantasy film, but it really did. I thought it really yeah. was really funny. Absolutely. Well, you just brought up James Bond, so I'm going to go with another very cool franchise and go with Ocean's Eleven for my next puzzle piece. Um, this this movie is first of all, it's it's you know obviously all built around a big heist that is like really fun and really well pulled off, and it's just a joy to watch them figure out a way to make this thing happen. So right there, you've got a connection. But then also, it, it was funny. I was like. Uh, kind of Googling to see if anybody else had made this connection with Ocean's Eleven. And I found an article from just last year that claimed that uh, Dungeons and & Dragons and Ocean's Eleven are basically like genre swapped of the same thing because of the the uh, the different classes. And like everybody's kind of one note, but not in a bad way, just like they're there for their particular job and everybody's jobs all kind of fit together to get the job done. And uh, I thought that was a really cool article. And uh, it's by Casey Evans. And... Uh, yeah, I mean, Ocean's Eleven. What a what a great movie to use as a yeah. blueprint for a. That's a, I, I didn't even think of that. I thought that was pretty cool. That's a great. That's a great comparison. Now I had one that I don't know if it was far out there, but I kept thinking of the Maze Runner. See, I you know surprisingly I have never seen the Maze Runner movies, and oh, I know that just that director is doing the next uh, uh, Planet of the Apes movie. I believe. Oh really? That, just watch the first one. Don't go beyond that. Okay. <laughs> the first one's really unique, you know. But, you know, it's all about uh, these guys wake up and there's a maze and they try to get through it and to see what's on the other side. I mean, I'm being, being you know, incredibly generic about it. Uh, but in, but in Dungeons and Dragons, we have this gelatinous cube and they, they have to uh, get through this maze to survive, you know. And they had mimics and displacer beasts and stuff. So I kept thinking, wow, this reminds me of Maze Runner, uh, except that they don't keep coming back once a day. It's like it's all or nothing right here or now. So, mm. Yeah, sure. That that's cool. That that uh that actually does sound like a lot of fun. And yeah, I, I especially because he's making that Planet of the Apes movie. I gotta like go back and at least watch that first one. So another Planet of the Apes, really? <laughs> yeah, and it actually is continuing after uh, this trilogy that we just read. Okay, good. As long as no more origin stories. I hate when they reboot things and we have to tell the same thing. How many Spider Mans that we have to tell all over again? You know, it's like okay, we all know how. If we want to see how Spider Man became, we have plenty of examples. Let's just move on. Yeah. So I, I, I'm surprised you haven't mentioned Harry Potter yet, but that just goes without you just pick one, right? Yeah, so. <laughs> sure. You you can fit any of them in there. Yeah, they all fit definitely in there. fits for sure. Um I will go uh for my next piece. You know, this kind of goes along with how you're describing Maze Runner. I feel like that sounds very video game uh esque. And obviously Dungeons and Dragons has had a big influence on lots of video games, but you could go all over in the world of role playing video games here. Uh, with with some of these characters and the situations they get into and uh, the, the settings and all of the things that make this up. And it, we haven't seen that done that well very often. Like we already discussed, the you know, older Dungeons & Dragons movies weren't very good. And this really does kind of do right by, you know, Dragon Warrior and Ultima and like all those classic RPG games. 
Um, so I, I was going to throw that in there, but also the video game Portal, um, because I don't think I've quite seen a uh, Portal mechanic used in a movie the way that it's done in that video game. And it's really done really well here in the way that they're able to uh, shoot a blue and a red portal and then go through one side to the other side. And it's, I don't know, it's it's wild. It's cool that they pulled that off. I will I will yield to you all things video games because I'm from this from the asteroid generation. Sure, <laughs> Space Invaders, Donkey Kong, you know, uh, in Atari. So if you say it's Portal, I'll believe you. Fair enough, that works for me. <laughs> can we say Can we say Jumanji? Welcome to the jungle. You know, if sure. I into a video game. Uh, I thought that was so well done. You know, and uh, again, a character's on a quest and uh, uh, contemporary humor. You know, and uh, uh, I just I thought I thought of Welcome to the Jungle throughout the film too. Yeah, no, absolutely. That I I feel like that that's such a weird movie to have been so influential because it's just like a kind of like a silly fun like the Rock movie, and yet I feel like its fingerprints are over a lot of things lately. Uh, it, it fits in so many episodes that I've done on this show with talking puzzle pieces. Like it seems to come up time and time again. I think they just tapped into something there where it's like it's got all the best parts of video games, all the best parts of adventure movies and just kind of throw it all together in a big stew and it all just kind of works. Well, for someone to say, you know, we're going to remake Jumanji, but use it as a video game is just probably the idea of the century. I mean, that was so brilliant because I thought, here we go. I mean, no one's going to relate to a board game. I'm sorry. I mean, that's that's too, you know, it's just too archaic, you know, unless it's Monopoly, right? Look what happened with Battleship. You had to actually, you know, create... Uh, uh, create aliens invading. Um, but there there was a series of movies when I was a kid, and we're talking like the, the mid 70s, early 70s, when I was really little. I love the Sinbad films. So I don't know if you, the Charles Schneer, you know, there was a Golden Voyage of Sinbad, you know, where they sure. were in the West, uh, Sinbad and the Eye of the Tiger, um, you know, uh, just all of those Sinbad films. And that really reminded me too, I was watching, especially the Golden Voyage of Sinbad. They had a troop that were going after a specific mask and they were going after uh, a crown. And I thought, wow, that reminded me. I haven't thought about that movie in decades, you know, but it's all of a sudden it just hit me when I was watching Dungeons and Dragons. So, yeah, no, absolutely. And that, like, that definitely fits in with those kinds of like classic adventures. And, you know, we're, we're talking about this movie being such a big surprise hit. Like, I hope that when they uh, do, uh, you know, get to do a sequel, which it looks like they probably will, I hope they go like bigger and better with like some of the uh, the bad guys and like the monsters and all that stuff. Like, I want to see more and more of that stuff and I want to see them just kind of go all out with it, but then keep the humor because oh, yeah. obviously the humor is working. So, we have over 300 yeah. monsters in the monster man, <laughs> and we only did what five or six, seven yeah. in this movie, and the movie was still almost two and a half hours. So, yeah. Um, and I think we, I, as much as I liked Hugh Grant in it, you know, but he was more of a dandy kind of villain, you sure. know, uh, I hope we get something really heavy for the next one. I just want to see something really, uh, what's that saying? The Witcher on Netflix, you know? Oh, yeah. I, I love that series, you know? So I just want something, I, I just want a little bit more seriousness in it, but keep the humor. But I just want, I, I love heavy stuff in movies like this, so. Yeah. Well, speaking of uh, humor, uh, my final puzzle piece, uh, I'm going with David Wayne's role models uh, where Sean William Scott and Paul Rudd have to uh, take part in a Big Brother type program and they end up in the whole LARPing world. Uh, <laughs> and uh, especially Reggie Jean Page's character here is just so ridiculous with like how ultra serious he is and the way that he replies to everybody. It, it's just mine for so much 
uh, comedy. And, and that's like reminded me so much of like Joe Latruglio and, and all those guys in, in role models. They're so funny. And that movie is just, uh, one of the funniest movies of the last 10, 20 years. I feel like. No, absolutely. I totally agree. Uh, again, you know, I was from that age in the early eighties, you know, and then junior high and high school when, uh, all these fantasy movies were coming out from Conan and Barbarian and all that, but there was one that I just could not get enough of. It was the sword and the sorcerer. Mm, sure. You know, and, uh, Again, you know, I think uh, Sorcery and uh, uh, the other movie was uh, Excalibur, you know, that came out, right. John Borman film, you know. So if you were gaming, there wasn't very much in terms of Hollywood to watch that would connect it. And when Sword and the Sorcerer came out, I think that was, what, 82? Um, and also, uh, I think that was the same year for Excalibur. So all of a sudden, fantasy just started becoming, uh, in the early 80s, because of D&D, you know. So it was an explosion, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like the Sword and the Sorcerer is like, I mean, that's like the high end. Like, that's what we're all hoping, oh, you know, over the 90s and 2000s that, like, these things would be like. And then, you know, time and time again, we're let down. And so just uh, not not enough made it that that good. But, uh, yeah, that, that I was awesome. I have not seen the Sword and the Sorcerer probably in 30 years or more. Yeah. It's been- he, had, he had, like, a, a, he had a sword that could launch, you know. And, oh, that was the other thing. Is all the weapons that, that were in Dungeons and Dragons. You had the flaming sword, you had the plus one. I mean, you had everything. There were little Easter eggs in there that, you know, uh, that you would get when you campaign and think, you know, items I hadn't thought of in decades, you know, and there they were, you know, because, yeah. Or if you come across a magic item, if you come across something in a battle, I'm like, oh my God. And hit points were going through my head and, and rolling. <laughs> and I mean, I was actually playing the game part of the time in the movie too, especially the battles. So, yeah. Very what was was the treasure chest with the mouth? Was that a mimic? Is that what that's called? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. That that has been ripped off in so many video. Oh games yeah, yeah. Years and like and so that was really cool to see because uh, I I'm used to that from all the games. So oh yeah, yeah. But and, uh, and displacer beast, you know, and and uh, what was the um? I was trying to think the they they had a book where it was it was trying to chomp his hand. Was it was it Harry Potter? No, that's uh, Army of Darkness. That's Army Darkness. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah so that, that fits in right there too. It does. Yeah. So I'm like, there's all kinds of little, you know, uh, nods to all those that came before them. So yeah, it was pretty cool. Absolutely. Well, uh, that, that's a big list of puzzle pieces we just discussed there. Uh, I'm going to try to recap them real quick here and then we'll get into some closing thoughts. But sure. we talked about Hansel and Gretel, Witch Hunters, Guardians of the Galaxy, Your Highness, Army of Darkness, Monty Python, The Frighteners, Hocus Pocus, Ant-Man, Dragon Slayer, James Bond, Ocean's Eleven, Maze Runner, Portal, Ultima, Dragon Warrior, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, Sinbad Movies, Role Models, The Sword and the Sorcerer, and Excalibur. A uh, whole bunch of adventure stuff, but then a lot of funny stuff in there. We didn't even get to Into the Woods, but it's okay. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sure we'll get a Chris Pine uh, musical number in the next there one. There it is. That's why I'm like, oh, he's an old hat at this. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, any closing thoughts? Anything we didn't quite get to while talking puzzle pieces here? Uh, I, again, totally surprised how good this was. You know, once I understood what it was, once I understood Dungeons and Dragons wasn't going to be a Lord of the Rings and they were doing tongue in cheek and they were having fun with it and that it really, I don't want to say that we're dumbed it down, but they really made it for all audiences. And I thought that in the end, that was brilliant. And I think that's what's contributing to it, the success of the movie. And I hope we get another one, man, because I took a friend of mine who hates fantasy when I told him I surprised him. We're going to see Dungeons and Dragons. He, I thought he was going to skim me alive. And he and I thought, oh my God, the first thirty minutes he hates this because I was trying to get into it. I wasn't liking it. And at the end, he was quoting the movie. He said how much he enjoyed it. So uh, I, that's the appeal this movie has. So yeah, absolutely. I, I I 
couldn't agree more. And and I think that it's going to have long legs. Like I think this is going to be a home video one that like oh yeah people are going to really get into, and it's going to get good word of mouth once it hits streaming. So uh, we shall see. But uh, yeah, I think that does it for Dungeons and Dragons. Is there another movie you watched recently you'd like to recommend to our listeners? Another movie that I watched recently, I just saw Air. You know the Ben Affleck movie. You know sure. Michael Jordan. It was fantastic. You know I love biographical films like that. And, and this was the shoe that saved Nike. And this tells you all the stories behind it. And uh, and it's a who's who cast, you know, from Matt Damon and directed by Ben Affleck. And uh, I think and they're saying it's one of the best films of the year. And I, I think so. Here we are, you know, four, four or five months into it. But uh, it's fantastic. I highly recommend it. Yeah, absolutely. It's great. Um, I'm actually going to be recording an episode with fellow Las Vegas film critic Josh Bell and also Jason Harris on that one. Josh uh, Bell? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the famous Josh Bell. (laughs) There he is. Absolutely. He's coming back. But uh, Jeff, I'm so happy to have you on the show finally. Tell people where they can find you. Uh, You can find me at VegasFilmCritic.com and all my social media, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. um, Everything is Vegas Film Critic. So just Google me and you'll be sick of me by the end of the day. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. Well, hopefully we can get you back again sometimes. Anytime, David. I had a blast. Thank you so much. I'm Josh Bell. And I'm Jason Harrison. We co-host a podcast called Awesome Movie Year. Each season, we take a look back at an awesome year for movies, which is every year. We deep dive into these specific years and we pick out why they were such great years for films. We go over the biggest hits, the biggest flops, the best pictures, some personal picks, some cult classics. Years we've covered in past seasons include 1994, 2003, 1977, and 1984, and we've got all of film history to look forward to. So check us out at awesomemovieyear.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Jeff Howard about Dungeons & Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. I know a lot of people were requesting that I do this episode, so hopefully you enjoyed it and enjoyed the puzzle pieces we talked about. But if you have any puzzle pieces that you thought of that we didn't bring up, please send them in. I will read them on the next uh, listener portion of the trailer episodes that I do at the beginning of each month. Um, But most of all, I just want to hear them because I'm interested in hearing your puzzle pieces. So you can either hit me up on social media at PiecingPod, join our Facebook group Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, or just email me. My email's in the show notes, and I would love to hear about your pieces And if you ever want to join me for an episode, I'm always looking for new guests, so do get in touch. And, of course, make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together wherever it is you're listening to podcasts. And, uh, you know, maybe drop a five-star rating. I would appreciate if you did that. It helps get the show somewhere. I don't know. They they say that it helps, but, you know, whatever. Five stars is nice. Drop a review. Uh, <laughs> we also have a Patreon. They're produced by David Rosen Patreon, where I post bonus and advanced content from Piecing It Together, Awesome Movie Year, and my music career. Lots of great stuff over there on the Patreon. So if you want to support the show that way, I would, of course, appreciate that. Patreon.com slash by David Rosen if you want to get signed up and get some of that awesome bonus content so let's close this out with a piece of my music like i always do at the end of these episodes and this is a good one for when i'm doing these kinds of like uh epic adventure type of movies uh this is a song called journey that was on a free bonus album that i put out a few years back called like ashes it's uh, exclusive on my Bandcamp, which is davidrosen.bandcamp.com if you want to check out my latest album, more content, or any of my other albums on limited edition CD, Bandcamp is where you could get them. So uh, 
plug for that. But uh, yeah, this album, Like Ashes, was actually a completely free release that came out in between albums, a bunch of bonus songs and remixes. And this song, Journey, was on that. So if you like it, go get the whole album, Like Ashes, for free, and maybe pick up one of my other albums while you're at it. I hope you enjoy it. We'll be back with more piecing it together real soon.
an All Points West production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.